0: Hi there, this is Darren Spoo, pastor at First Baptist Church in Tulsa, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. We would invite you to join us in person Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 o'clock in downtown Tulsa, or check out our webpage at tulsafbc.org. God bless you, and have a great week. Thanks so much. You may have a seat. Just to make you aware of some things going on in the life of our church, Uh, we finished up Trav's Coats for Kids and you know how this works. Uh, People all around Tulsa area would give coats to Yale cleaners. They would clean them up and sponsor through Channel 6. We would give them away at our two Caring Center locations. Got the final numbers on what, the way we served this last winter. Uh, Trav's Coats for Kids, we helped altogether 799 families. Really, we couldn't just find one more, just one more. And all together, through our Caring Center Ministries, through you, we distributed 5,049 coats this winter. I think we ought to celebrate that and celebrate the opportunity, the opportunity that we had to serve and to help people stay warm and also to give the hope of Christ. So thank you if you volunteered for that. And, And if you know people, you encounter people who still need coats, they are still available through the Caring Center, even though Trav's coats has ended, we still have more coats available. I would encourage you also, this Wednesday night, we have our meal at 5 o'clock, we're going to finish up our study on the book of Ephesians, and then on February 22nd, we are observing Ash Wednesday. Boy, it does sound like we're becoming Catholic, aren't we? Uh, This begins the season of Lent, and it's a season of repentance as we prepare for the celebration of Easter, and so there are two Ash Wednesday services at noon and at 6, and I would invite you to be a part of that to begin the season as we move toward Easter. And then the daddy-daughter dance. Uh, dads, pay attention to that. And don't miss the opportunity of making some great memories with your daughter. So James Thurber said, It's better to ask some of the questions than to have all the answers. It's better to ask some of the questions than to have all the answers. I certainly don't have all the answers. I don't even think I know all the questions, but I've got one question, and we've been dealing with this since the beginning of the year. What's the Holy Spirit saying to our church? What is the Holy Spirit saying to us? And I hope you're not tired of this because we're going to have the same topic this week and next week, okay? But it's just an opportunity for us to listen, and I hope you've listened so far. We are called, I believe God has called us specifically, to be unapologetically urban. Uh, So you may not know this about the history of our church. Our church was actually founded in a funeral home 125 years ago. I love that idea because if you think about it, the whole church began in a graveyard when Jesus walked out of the tomb, right? And so I love the idea of serving a church that's 125 years old because I love making old things new. And here's what Jesus loves. Jesus loves making dead things alive. And so I think it's fantastic that we begin on a funeral home. Let's not go back there, though. I did have one little girl tell me after the first service, after she heard we started in a funeral home, she said, are there bodies under the church? I just looked at her and walked away. So now i got to get those rumors going. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like the sixth sense, I see dead people sometimes, right? What else is God saying to our church? Make disciples. Let's not be about making drama. Any church and any organization can do that. Let's really be about teaching others to obey everything Jesus commanded. That's what we all should be about. It's a lifelong trajectory of, I'm not quite there yet, I'm still learning. Also, we should plant our lives, worship God wholeheartedly. And here's what we're going to talk about today. In continuing to discern what Jesus is, excuse me, what the Holy Spirit is saying to our church, I think we should listen very carefully to what Jesus prayed for the church. Let me say that again. If we want to discern what the Holy Spirit is saying to our church, we should listen to what Jesus prayed for the church. For that, I'm gonna ask you to turn with me to John chapter 17. John 17, I've been teaching the Bible now regularly for about 30 years, and it's odd because I almost feel like I have a relationship with the Scripture now because so many times I'll turn to a passage of Scripture and memories will be triggered. So whenever I come to John 17, I go back to my second year here as pastor. There was a big community Thanksgiving service that year. And so we were asked to host this, multiple denominations, multiple pastors. I was still relatively new in Tulsa, but I wasn't speaking that night. We had a guest speaker from another denomination who was speaking. And so he stood up and he started the Thanksgiving service. He started his message by talking about his father who was nearing death. And his father asked him, a pastor, how can I know for sure that I'm going to go to heaven? And he said, "And quote, like I could tell him. All of a sudden, things got out of control. (laughs) Here's a… You're not enjoying this story nearly as much as I am right now. Like… And he went on to preach about, you know, if you want to go to heaven, then you just do good works and you help poor people. So he's teaching this, and I'm looking out over the congregation, and many of our church members are here, and I see some of the deacons, and the steam is beginning to rise off their heads, and and steam is beginning to come out their ears. I'm sitting right over here going is my resume freshened up, because I'm gonna need it later on this week. And I thought, "I, I gotta say something. So what it made it comical for me is, I was wearing a long black liturgical robe and I had my phone somewhere in me. So I was digging through my robe, trying to get to my phone so I could look up a scripture, right? That's why I don't wear dresses anymore. I was having a real tough time trying to get to that phone. So I finally got it, finally looked up the scripture. And when I gave the benediction that night, And I did not want to offend our speaker, but more importantly, I do not want to offend God. As part of the benediction, I just read John 17, verse 3. And it says this, and this is why I always think about this as I come to John chapter 17. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent." How can we miss that? This is eternal life, that they may know You, the one true God, and Jesus Christ. There it is. Luckily, I still have my job, so the story ends well, right? Now the part of John 15 you might think of, excuse me, John 17, is verse 15 and 16. Even if you don't know this verse, you probably know it. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world even as I am not of the world. This is where we get that phrase. As Christians, we often talk about being in the world, but not of the world. So I think you know this now. We live in a pretty chaotic and dark world just to drive that point home. Here's a couple of statistics. Guns are the leading cause of death for young Americans under 24 years of age. And in cities such as St. Louis and South Carolina, Charleston, South Carolina, pediatricians have begun giving away free gun locks to parents. Pediatricians have started to give away free gun locks to parents. This is not a comment on guns. This is a comment on violence and carelessness. In 2021, 34% of women who were murdered were murdered by an intimate partner. One third of all the women who were murdered that year were murdered by somebody they thought they could trust. And here's one more stat. Americans lost a record amount of money in casinos and mobile gaming apps in 2022. Just in your mind, guess what that number would be? Casinos and mobile gaming apps. Americans lost 55 billion dollars. So I just wonder out loud, tonight at the Super Bowl, I wonder how much money will be lost betting on the Super Bowl versus the amount of money that will be given to the 24,000 people and their families who lost their lives in Turkey this week. I wonder what that comparison is. And by the way, if you want to make a difference, Send Relief is our Southern Baptist agency for handling crises such as this. And Send Relief is already on the ground. They're providing water and blankets and heating supplies to people who need it. Send relief if you want to help that's reputable, it's solid, resources will go where they need to go. So don't bet on the Super Bowl tonight, give something away. It's something that you know is going to pay off, but we live in this dark world and we are called to be in this world, but not of this world. So now you think I've wondered from the topic, I have not. Because as Jesus prays in John chapter 17, His longest prayer, He comes down to praying for us for you and for me. So let's look at what He prays for us and in what He prays I think we'll hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church. Verse 20 of John 17, My prayer is not for them alone, not for His disciples who are sitting around the table with Him. I pray also for those who will believe in Me through their message, that's us, that all of them may be one Father just as You are in Me and I am in You. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. What is the Holy Spirit saying to our church? that we should be a church marked by unity. Now here in just a minute, we're going to talk about what unity is and isn't, but first we need to establish how Jesus describes unity because He compares it to the relationship that He and the Father have. And here's where we get into a little Trinitarian theology, and Jesus talks about unity in terms of their relationship, and so it's very important to get this foundational truth Jesus and God the Father share an identity, but they are not identical. That's very important to get that because Jesus defines and describes unity in terms of their relationship, so let me say that again. Jesus and God the Father share an identity, but they are not identical. So now let's take that and let's bring that over to how we look at unity as a church. And by the way, this morning, we're not really talking about you individually, we're talking about us collectively, and this is important, okay? So here's what unity is not. Unity is not uniformity. Unity is not, we all have to believe and think exactly the same things. That's the cultural myth that many times we buy into and we bring over into church that I can only be friends with and I can only have contact with and I should only be connected in social media with people who believe exactly the way I do, good luck finding that by the way. The church is not to be marked by uniformity, it is to be marked by unity, okay? So that means that there are some people here that are very affluent and there are some people here who are barely scratching by and making a living. When you walk in these doors that doesn't make a difference. There are some people here that vote Republican. There are some people here that vote Democrat. There are some people here who are registered as independent, but when you walk in these doors that's not the main thing. There are some people here who are pro vaccine. There are some people who are anti vaccine. There are some people who are still wearing masks. There are some of you who have never worn masks. That's not the main deal when we walk into this room. There are some of you who have big views on alcohol or women in leadership or patriotism All that is fine and good, but that's not the main thing when we come in these doors. Are you with me so far? The one area of uniformity that I think we need to address more is I look around this room and most of us are white. I don't say that to shame anybody, but oftentimes people look at me and say, I wish our church were more racially diverse. Well don't look at me for that. That's something all of us have to be a part of, and I'm not trying to make anyone feel awkward or anyone feel out of place, but we're rather homogenous in that area. And we really need to work on that. I think it's good that we acknowledge that. So what unity is not, unity is not uniformity. We don't have to look and be and believe exactly the same things. Now there are some basics that we believe about our faith. So what, what is unity if it's not uniformity? unity is allegiance that we share a common allegiance to Jesus Christ that's the bottom line and I'm gonna state this as clearly as I can if there is any issue that distracts us from that allegiance then that issue has become an idol in our hearts if there's any issue that distracts or displaces that allegiance to Jesus, then that issue has become an idol that we have begun to worship instead of Jesus himself. So one of my favorite stories, and I still look back and I can't believe this happened, but I promise you it happened exactly the way I'm about to tell it. Several years ago, our family was traveling Europe and my daughter at the time was 11 years old and we had been gone for quite some time on trains planes automobiles yes I just quoted the movie title and she was becoming increasingly anxious about flying on a plane and this idea of flying from England back to the United States over the pond began to loom large in her mind and she became more and more unsettled every time she thought about that flight home one day we're on the London tube And this very distinguished English gentleman steps on board. And standing there holding the pole, my my kids were taught to be polite. My daughter stood up and invited this man to take her seat, which which he did. And he looked at my daughter and thanked her. And we started a conversation. And he said to her, I'm the most interesting person you will ever meet in your life. (laughs) Don't know where this is going, but we've got ten more stops. We're about to find out. And he said, I'm one of the few people to survive a major airline disaster. No, <laughs> no, 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 I'm sitting no, please don't, please don't do this. And he goes, my family was on vacation in South America and our plane flew right into the side of a mountain. I go, dude, you're killing me here. Everybody in my family was killed. I go, what are you doing to me? He goes, but you know what I learned through that experience? He said, my family was killed. I grew up an orphan. You know what I learned? And he looked right in my daughter's face. He said, I learned that God will always take care of you. And then he got up, he walked off the subway, and walked out of our lives. And I told my daughter then, I said, if you've ever heard God speak to you, it was right there. Now, here's kind of the part B of that story. I'd picked up enough information, got his name. He taught at a college. So when he got back home, I I used the wonders of the interweb to find him. I found him. I sent him an email. I thanked him. I kind of gave him the backstory because he had no idea. And at the end, I said, and P.S., I've got to know, are you a follower of Jesus? Because it sure comes across like you are. And when he emailed back, he said, Absolutely, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I knew it before he even answered. Do you see, here's two people. We grew up on different continents. Some would offer that him being from England and me being from Texas, we speak different languages, and y'all would be correct. (laughs) We don't know each other, but there's a common allegiance that we have in Christ and we serve and we encourage one another. You know what, that's a beautiful picture of what the church should be for one another. And it doesn't have to be on a subway, it doesn't have to be on the tube, it can just be as we go through life. So now I'm very cautious, whenever somebody brings up an idea, an agenda, an issue, and they'll say something like this. Well this is the way we need to do it and if other people don't like it, they can just leave the church. And God forgive me, I've thought that a time or two, and I think I've even said it. If that is our attitude about anything, then we are working opposite of the very thing Jesus prayed here in John chapter 17. If any issue or agenda displaces our allegiance to Christ, that has become an idol. And I would want the Holy Spirit to kind of work on your hearts right now to say, what is that? Now, some of you are wondering, is there something going on in my church that I don't know about that Darren is talking about this? No. I mean, we're not any crazier than normal right now, right? But it's so much easier to talk about these things when times are good rather than try to address them when times are bad. Jesus calls us to a common allegiance in Him, just as He and the Father, share an identity but they are not identical so we do not have uniformity but we can have unity over our common allegiance to christ so now here's what empowers that okay it's not unity is not just a good idea here's where the fuel for that comes from verse 24 father i want those you have given me to be with me where i am To see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. What fuels our unity is God's glory, Jesus' glory. Whenever you see that word, it's a word that means the sum total of everything God is. And here's the idea, that we become so enthralled with who God is that we remember that all these petty issues are just that, petty issues. So can I mention two of those petty issues? Here's an easy one. Politics. I don't know how it's happened over the last decade or so, but politics has become the idol in our culture. Why in the world would we give up our birthright of knowing the king of the universe and having the king of the universe in our hearts and worshiping him as the king of all, why would we give up that birthright for the poor political porridge of politics in America? Why would we give that up? We're talking about the king, we should not worry about who's the next person in office. And I know there have been relationships that have been fractured even in this church and even with you, listen, if you've broken a relationship over politics, you need to repent and you need to go get right with that person. Because political leanings cannot be a substitute for our personal relationships. So I would even go so far as to say this. In your community groups, don't talk about politics. Don't invite political leaders to your community groups. Well, I mean, you can invite them to your community groups, right? But not if they're running for office. Don't don't make that the part of what we're doing. Don't talk about this in the hallways or the cafes. It's not why we're here. We are here to worship Christ. I wonder right now what you're thinking because you're really still and you're really quiet right now. Okay, thank you, I'll (laughs) go. Let's keep the focus here. That's where the focus ought to be, okay? So there's that issue. Here's another issue that often causes divisiveness. And I don't have a word for it. I would just call it the yah yang that goes on in the church. People yang yeah, yang. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, so, so let me give you an example. Let's say I say something in a sermon you don't like. And by the way, people will say, boy, boy I bet you get a bunch of emails about things people don't like. I really don't. And here's why. Because over 23 years that I've been here, if somebody sends me a, a negative email, my next phone call is going to be to that person and say, when can we sit down and have coffee? And people don't like that very much, right? Here's the deal. You can almost always work things out face to face. It will not get better if you handle it digitally. But let's say that I do say something that you don't like in a sermon. You need to think two things. First of all, you need to think that maybe I'm wrong and offer me a little grace. Instead of complaining, just offer grace. Here's the second possibility. The second possibility is, you may be wrong, in which case, I give you a little grace. But you know where the truth probably lies? It's probably in this, that we're both a little right and a little wrong, and we need to give each other some grace. You see, we've bought into the cultural idea that if somebody says something I don't like, I complain. No, as followers of Jesus, with a common allegiance to Christ and a common identity, we give each other grace. Isn't that the kind of church you want? Okay, Then be that kind of church. Okay. Again, nothing wrongs going on. I'm just shooting straight with you. And I believe this is what the Holy Spirit is saying to our church. So here's the walk-away applications. If I were to just give a couple of punchy points this is that first of all love the church love the church I say that because it's become trendy and catchy the last couple of years to say I love Jesus I just can't stand the church I want you to think about that one of the prevailing metaphors in the Bible for the church is the bride of Christ. So could you imagine going to your best friend and saying, I love you, but I hate your wife. I guarantee you, you will not be friends. Because in a good marriage, and Christ is married to the church, the two are one, you cannot separate the two. In fact, Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, unless I leave off loving Jesus Christ, I cannot cease loving those who love Him. I know that's a lot of words. Unless I leave off loving Christ, I cannot cease loving those who love Him. Love the church. You know what? It's filled with a lot of quirky people, isn't it? Isn't it? Yes. You know that there are so many different kinds of apples. If you were to eat one apple every day, it would take you 20 years to eat every different kind of species of apple. I'm saying that to say, y'all are some weird apples in this room, okay. We all are, but that's the enduring quality. Love the church. Second thing I would tell you to do is protect the church. If you're a member of this church, if you're a part of this church, it's not my job to put out all the fires. It's all of our jobs to guard the unity of the church. Um, There's a pastor in New York that some of you are familiar with, Jim Cimbala. Whenever he presents new members in front of the church, he'll line them up all across the front and he'll give them a charge. And so you're not all new members, but I'm going to give you the charge today. I'm going to give you the badge and you're going to be Barney Fife. I'm going to give you the bullet. You ready? put it in your pocket, he'll say something like this. And so I say it to you, if you hear anyone speak an unkind word about an usher, a choir member, a member of our staff, another member of the church, without that person being present, you have the authority to stop them mid-sentence and say, hold on, that's not God's solution to the problem. If someone has hurt you, go directly to them, resolve it, If if that fails, Let's get a pastor involved, we'll bring you together to have the hurt rectified and to pray that things will be set right. I now deputize you to go and do the same. Protect the church. And the final thing I would say is this, be the church. Just be the church. Love the church, protect the church, Just, just be the church. I try to end the message with something real clear and simple. I'm going to do that in just a moment, but right now I'm going to give you something really confusing. You ready? Here it is. Henry Nowen, my favorite Catholic priest of all time, yes, we're back to being Catholics again. Gosh, he's been dead 25 years. I've read him extensively. I never came across this quote until this week. He says this It's easier to be in the world and not of the world than it is to be in the church but not of the church. Yeah, that's the way I felt about it too. I go, I have no idea what that means. I have to turn it over a little bit. It's easier to be in the world but not of the world and to deal with all those pressures than to be in the church but not of the church and just. Play, pretend with their Christianity in other words it's easier to live a life of all the hassles of being countercultural as a Christian than it is to be a hypocrite so don't be a hypocrite be the church all the word church is is its plural for disciple be the church so a friend of mine tells a story sophomore in high school, he goes into a football locker room for the first time. He's on the football team. He sees all the seniors, they're bigger, they're taller. He hears the clanking lockers, the hiss of the showers, all the towels, and the smell of liniment oil and sweat. He loves it. Then his first football coach comes in, former Marine, head, neck, all were one. And he comes in and he slams the clipboard down. He says, if you're gonna survive on this team, you need to know the three Ds, dedication, desire, and discipline. So he talked a lot about dedication. He talked a lot about desire. He said, but none of that means anything unless it's discipline, and he laid down the rules. If you're on this team, you will not party late, you will not smoke, you will not drink. That was his first year. That first year, new team, new coach, they won their first three games, and then a group of seniors, went out and got drunk after their third victory. The coach had a decision and he's telling all of this to my friend who's a first-year football player. He has a decision. He kicks all the seniors off the team and they lose every game for the rest of the season. But when they came back the next season he had a group of sophomores and juniors who had had some experience and they went undefeated that next season what I love about that coach is this that he would rather lose with a bunch of winners than to win with a bunch of losers and what I really love about it is he meant what he said Jesus means what he prays here he expects us not to be uniform but to us, for us to have a common allegiance to him and everything else is secondary as a result. And here's something that I didn't realize until I was preaching this in the first service, and it dawned on me at this point, it's what I love about God's Word. It always has more. We love it when Jesus answers our prayers. We pray something, and Jesus gives what we ask. You see this? We get the privilege of answering Jesus' prayer He prayed for unity, and you and I can answer that right here, right now, with our lives. What's the Holy Spirit saying to our church? Be unified. Let's stand together and pray together. So, Father, maybe I've been a little over-enthusiastic this morning, but uh, Jesus, I think that you really meant what you said. You really meant it that You want us to be unified. And so forgive us of the idolatry that we experience over issues and topics and politics and little things in the church that mean absolutely nothing in comparison to Your loyalty and to Your identity and to Your glory. So would You keep us focused on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And God, thank You that You are patient with us. For for 125 years, this church has faced a lot of stuff. And by Your grace, it has managed to stay together. And so I pray over the next 125 years that You would continue to allow us to have unity surrounded by Your glory and to represent You well to the world because there's nothing like this anywhere else. This is our prayer in the name of Jesus, amen. Our follow-up room is not going to open right now. I just want to ask you to worship in the presence of the Lord, to acknowledge Jesus as King, and I'll give some instruction about the follow-up room here in just a moment. But as we sing together, this is an opportunity for us to pray together and to be unified, our voices and our hearts together, as we worship the Lord. Thanks so much for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of each worship service on Sunday morning, I offer a simple blessing, and I offer that blessing to you today. May the Lord bless you and keep you, May the Lord make his face shine upon you, and may God grant you peace, both now and forever. Amen.